This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Beginning June 11th, the way some of us purchase animal vaccines will change. The date is when many over-the-counter antibiotics will require a veterinarian's prescription in order to buy them. That leaves many questions for those of us raising animals. Will we need a prescription for every shot we administer? Can we purchase those vaccines the same way we do now? Answers to those questions are our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. Farmers have faced many challenges regarding nitrogen needs for their corn crop in recent years, including global fertilizer shortages, high nitrogen prices, and delayed plantings. In the past few seasons, I've used Pivot BioProven 40 to provide my crops with nitrogen when they need it, no matter the weather. Now that predictability is available, right on the corn seed. Pivot BioProven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. It's the first on seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the game changing technology. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. These microbes can replace up to 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. As a cattle producer, I know I have lots of questions about the FDA's change and how many of us purchase animal vaccines after June 11th of this year. You'll need something called a VCPR, which is a veterinary client-patient relationship. Dr. Fred Gingrich is the executive director of the American Association of Bovine Practitioners, and he's a great resource for the answers to the questions many of us have. The goal is to cut through some of the stories we may hear in the countryside and get the facts we need to know. Here's our conversation. Dr. Fred Gingrich joins me, and Dr. Gingrich and I are going to visit a little bit about what's coming up in June. And for some folks, that is worrying, and uh, I think there's still a lot of questions. So first of all, Fred, thanks for joining me, and perhaps just give us the quick overview of what's coming in June, and then we'll dive into some of the questions and particulars uh, of that. Absolutely. So I'm a cattle veterinarian and uh, uh, now work for AABP, which is the largest cattle veterinary association in the U.S. And so we've been involved with this process with FDA. Essentially, this is part of FDA's five-year plan, which is extended beyond five years, uh, as many things do. And uh, many of your listeners are probably familiar with the VFD regulations that just went into effect which essentially moved all of the medically important uh, antibiotics that are administered via feed or water to veterinary oversight, meaning that they are either prescription or VFD, where previously they were over-the-counter. And the reason FDA started with that is because that's about 95% of all antibiotics sold in the U.S. is administered via, via feed or water. And so they wanted to tackle the the big box first and the remaining five percent of antimicrobials are administered via injection or or pills or things like that other dosing forms and uh, of that five percent there's a very small amount that remains over the counter and so what this uh, rule will do is on june 11th it will transfer 
all of the over-the-counter, medically important antibiotics to prescription status. Give me a little background about why we have moved to this. Was it something that we, I'll, I'll say, needed to do? Because I know a lot of cattle producers are going to say, why are we doing this? Why, why do we have to make these changes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, no one likes change. Uh, um, but I think first and foremost, we need to recognize that uh, it's important for all of us. I think every cattle producer out there wants the antibiotics to work, right? We want them to work. That's first and foremost. And antibiotic resistant resistance is certainly a recognized problem both in people and animals. And uh, the other thing we want to ask ourselves is what we give to animals, does it influence antibiotic resistance in people? Well, yeah, it probably does to some extent. Is it the major driver of antibiotic resistance in people? No, absolutely not. Using antibiotics in people drives antibiotic resistance, just like using antibiotics in cattle drives antibiotic resistance in cattle. And so what FDA is saying is that these are such important tools for us to use. We want to do everything in our power to make sure that they're still effective long term. Uh, Many of these antibiotics are old okay they've been around for a long time probably as long as grandpa's been feeding cattle right and so they were brought onto the market through this regulatory mechanism and that hasn't been used in a long time you know your listeners should sit and ponder when's the last time i had an antibiotic a new antibiotic available to me that was over the counter well i practiced started practicing in 1995 and i can't remember any so uh What FDA is saying is a veterinarian is an important part of the team to provide that oversight for making sure that uh, we have appropriate use. And if we look at the VFD, what happened immediately after the VFD was implemented? The sales of those products like oreomycin, tetracycline crumbles um, for feed, it dropped a lot. Okay, and so FDA looks at that and says, hmm, part of use is the amount or part of resistance is the amount we use. We want to make sure we're using them appropriately. And we think a veterinarian is appropriate to have that oversight. You mentioned the amount went down there uh, with that. Did that mean that we as cattle producers were probably using too much and not using it correctly in the first place? And is that the case with antibiotics uh, today, in your opinion? Well, I think we can say that there's a potential that sometimes an antibiotic is reached for where it may not necessarily need to be reached for. And that's veterinarians and cattle producers. You know, we're all guilty of saying, well, let's try this first. And so, yes, when they, I think the easier access to that, if you can go pick that up from a store and not have any involvement at a veterinarian at all, I think there's evidence that there may be some inappropriate use. And really what we want to focus on as cattle producers and cattle veterinarians is appropriate use, okay? Appropriate use is making sure you're using the right medication in the right animal at the right time for the right duration. And a veterinarian can certainly help you make those decisions. So I know that a lot of folks listening to this, if they have cattle right now, are saying, okay, so what does that then mean for me? I've been giving all these shots all the time. I treat my sick animals and so forth. Uh, So how is this going to work as far as, am I going to have to go to the vet every single time I want to give a shot or how will it happen? 
absolutely that's the number one concern on cattle producers minds and and i can understand that concern and that concerns me as a veterinarian because we simply don't have enough veterinarians to treat every sick uh cow and calf out there in the u.s and we don't want to okay we want to provide oversight, and that is entirely different than direct treatment of animals, okay? And so when people say, well, I used to be able to go to the store and get tetracycline or penicillin, those are probably the two most common products that are currently over the counter that will be affected. And and I don't need a veterinarian to come treat my animal with pink eye with tetracycline. I would agree with that completely, and so would the FDA, Okay. But what we're saying is, is that these products are going to be treated like the prescription products that you normally use on your farm. And what that means is, essentially, that veterinarian will have to have some authorization for you to have that bottle on your farm. Not use on every single animal, but just have some type of authorization. And what that essentially means is, you have to have a valid veterinarian client-patient relationship, what we call a VCPR. If you have a VCPR in place and you have been using a veterinarian and you've been getting other prescription veterinarian, uh, other prescription products from your veterinarian, this is absolutely no big deal. It just means you got to get the other ones via that same route. That's it. It doesn't mean the veterinarian has to come out and examine and treat every single animal. It doesn't mean that the veterinarian is only going to give you one dose. There may be times that occurs. Uh, it, it doesn't mean a lot of things that people are concerned with. What it means is a veterinarian has to have a relationship with that farm owner. So in that relationship then, is that something where that vet, does it change the relationship at all where they may need to come out to your farm more? How often are they going to need, in a sense, to write a prescription? How often should that be happening? And that is, uh, the first thing I'll say is there is no answer to that question because it depends, okay? And, and so I would like your listeners to think about, if I have 20 mama cows, okay, and I calve once a year, and then I sell my calves, all right, that's one, and, and I have a veterinarian, the frequency of those farm visits in, is entirely different than a 1500 cow dairy farm okay if you have a 1500 cow dairy farm that veterinarian is probably there at least once a month sometimes weekly okay well that is there isn't enough to do on it on a a person that has 20 mama cows there's not enough to do unless you want to help bale hay and and feed calves (laughs) there's just not much to do there uh, on on that type of operation so it depends on the type of operation so the number one question that cattle producers should ask their veterinarian is do i have a a current vcpr and if the answer is yes you're good to go if the answer is no you say well how can i have a current vcpr so i can make sure that i have the products that i need that i can treat the diseases that i'm capable of treating and be able to contact you for the conditions that i cannot that vcpr is that something then that tends to be it's on file and you always have it or is that something that you have to in a sense update from time to time yeah good question so we have a guideline on vcprs on our website under our about menu and the first thing is in my opinion the most important letter in vcprs are it's a relationship it's an agreement between the veterinarian and the client and the client is it has expectations of the veterinarian 
and the veterinarian has expectations of the client. So the veterinarian may say, I expect you to follow my treatment protocols to treat the diseases as I have prescribed medication for you to use. I don't want you to use the medication on animals that you don't own, et cetera, et cetera. The client may say, okay, I want you to be available to me for, you know, consultations if needed. I want to be able to schedule routine herd work, et cetera, et cetera. It's a relationship. Should it be a written agreement? My clients and me, we all had a written agreement. We updated it once a year. I told them, put what you want in the agreement. Uh, and, uh, and then I put what I wanted in the agreement. You're going to tell me if, you know, you have problems, et cetera, et cetera. So, it is very important to have that relationship so the veterinarian can help the client. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to, you know, sell you product and make money, okay? I can guarantee you there's not a veterinarian out there that relies on penicillin and tetracycline sales to support their practice and pay their student loans, okay? That's not happening. But what we want to do is say, why are you using these antibiotics like this? I can, I can help you improve health and, and productivity in your animals, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where we see our role as, as veterinarians. You mentioned the selling side, and that is important because there are some producers, in fact, a lot of producers, that may not go through a vet, but they'll go through either a retail store or they're certainly what I would call more wholesale type of, of stores. Yeah. How does that then change that relationship going forward? Will some just quit selling those, or will others then require you to show a VCPR? Or what do you think is going to happen then in June? So these products will be treated just like any other prescription product. So wherever you currently get your prescription products, that's where you're going to get these over-the-counter products in the future. And so if you're used to buying the over-the-counter products at a farm store in your community, if that farm store goes through the steps to be able to sell prescription products, get a pharmacy license in your state, get a distributor license, whatever that state requires, and that varies state by state, then they'll still be able to sell them. That's probably not going to happen because, again, you don't make a lot of money selling penicillin and tetracycline and other over-the-counters. So if your veterinarian writes prescriptions and you purchase those products for, through a distributor, it, it, you'll just get them that way. If your veterinarian sells the products out of his or her office, that's how you'll get them. So however you get your other products, that's how you'll get these in the future. Do you feel like that as we get closer to June – Will the biggest change perhaps be that maybe some of those local farm stores where they used to sell these products won't have them, but otherwise the regular supply chain will be somewhat similar? Is that what you see coming? Yeah, I don't see any interruption in the supply chain where they're ultimately, where the end user uh, purchases them will change. And, and one thing that listeners should be aware of is this is different than the VFD regulations that they may remember. When the VFD regulations went into effect on January 1st, a few years ago, that was the date where you could no longer purchase or use those products. What this is, this is just a marketing change. Uh, and so there's going to be product out there that still has the over-the-counter label in June, and it'll still be on the shelves. And once that product bleeds out, then the only products left from manufacturers are going to have that prescription label and require a prescription from the veterinarian. They don't need to document a VCPR. The only thing to, to buy it from somewhere else, they'll just need a prescription. Just like we get a prescription from our doctor and we go to Walmart or CVS, you'll get a prescription to purchase it from a distributor or the veterinarian will authorize the sale from their office. What are you hearing from your vets in the association? What are their 
concerns or perhaps they think, hey, this is going to be good because it's going to help us use the these more judiciously? What are you hearing? So I think veterinarians are supportive of making sure that we have appropriate oversight on farms. So I think in general, veterinarians are supportive of that. Um, I think the concerns are there are areas of the country that simply do not have access to a veterinarian. And how are we going to be able to serve those very remote pockets that have no access to a veterinarian? I think that there are absolutely farms that do not have access to a veterinarian. And that's a concern. And I don't have a good answer for that other than try to find your nearest veterinarian and tell them that you're going to pay them to come to the farm and establish a VCPR. And then however often they need to come there to do that, then do that. Reach out proactively and try to get that relationship established. And and like any professional, you're going to be charged for that service, okay? Um, but I also think that there are areas of the country that cannot get a veterinarian, but they could because there's a veterinarian within driving distance of their operation that if they utilize them on a routine basis, that they'll be there to help them uh, go through this uh, regulatory change. What would you tell cattle producers right now that I should be thinking about ahead of June? What things do I need to go ahead and get done if there is anything I need to, in a sense, get done before then? Yeah, I think the first thing is in your head, ask yourself, do I have a veterinarian? Okay. And if you say yes, if it's been seven years since you've had that veterinarian on your farm and the only thing they did was maybe do a C-section on a, on a dystocia, and that's not a VCPR. Okay. So if you're like, oh yeah, they were here last week and we processed calves, you know, or something like that. So you just have to ask yourself, do I have a veterinarian uh, that I have, that I can maintain access to the important medications that I need to treat my cattle. That's the absolute number one thing you need to do. And if you're not sure, call your veterinarian and just say, do I have a VCPR with you? And if they say, yeah, you're good, then, then you'll be fine. Veterinarians will appreciate that. And if they say, no, I don't have a VCPR, don't argue with them and say, well, I do. You were here seven years ago. Okay. Say, okay, what do I need to do to get a VCPR. And and if you approach it in that manner, that veterinarian is going to be very willing to work with you, I'm certain. I know we're talking cattle, and of course, that's what yeah. you know. But what about other species? Because yeah. uh, how does that impact things? Well, I, you know, I think another major production class that is going to struggle with this would be small ruminants, sheep, goats, uh use that there's not a lot of medications that's approved for those animals so there's a lot of over-the-counter use used in those animals and and it and it's the same thing establish that relationship make sure that you're prepared for when you have no access to those products that you still have a mechanism of getting them when needed again this is different than the vfd because if you think about it the medications we deliver in feed they're never really like an emergency situation where an animal is acutely sick and you need to treat them now. Okay, it's more planning. Well, I want to I want to prevent or or control anaplasmosis, or I need to feed this uh, to help control respiratory disease or something like that. For that's something you can plan. You know, I'm stocking cattle next month. I better have a VFD in place. With this, it's like you went out to the barn and you got six animals with pink eye. Well you need to plan for this one. So it's different because this is an individual animal, sick animal care. And so you need to make sure that you're set up to manage that. 
Is that one of the biggest misconceptions you've heard about this is, is that, okay, I've got a sick animal and now I can't go treat it because I got to go run and get a vet's authorization before I can actually give a shot. But in, in, it sounds like that is not the case at all with this. Is that right? No, that's correct. The biggest misperception from producers is I have to have the veterinarian come out and individually examine and treat every sick animal I have. And that's, again, I would just say, if you're used to using prescription drugs, like to treat, you know, uh, pneumonia, it's this is not going to be any different than how you get those medications. It's not that the veterinarian needs to individually treat and examine every animal. It's that the veterinarian has to have some relationship with you with oversight. Fred, before we wind up, I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier that I know is on your mind with the association about access to a vet. How do we continue to get more vets out there, especially large animal? Because it's as you mentioned, sometimes we aren't close to one and, and we need that. So how do we help address that? Yeah, that is, again, uh, uh, you know, that's another hour podcast maybe, but, you know, it, it's tough. And I can tell you right now, I've been a veterinarian for, for you know, 28 years I haven't ever seen it this bad and so we've always had a little bit of a recruitment problem getting people interested in cattle medicine interested in mixed rule of practice but now you know what we really have is we have a retention problem we lose a lot of them within five years of them entering practice and they go do small animal and uh um you know why is that it's multifactorial we all can recognize that it's a it's a difficult job uh it's hard there's emergency work. There's all these other things that go with it. And it's not just money, okay? It, it's not just money. That has some to do with it, but it's not just money. It's the lifestyle and the, and the, and the work it takes to, to do that. Um, and so I think if you're a cattle producer, I think one of the things you can do when we look at some surveys that have been done of, of what keeps people in, in cattle practice, okay, I think number one is use your veterinarian. If, if, if you expect a veterinarian to come in your community and the only thing you want that veterinarian to do is put in a prolapse or pull a calf once every five years, ask yourself, do you think that person can make a living doing that when they have $200,000 worth of vet school loans? No, they can't. Okay, so use your veterinarian. Um, that's the first thing. Uh, ask them, what can you do to help me be better on my farm operation? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're making more money. Just it might mean, you know, how can I make things more efficient on my farm or things like that? Tell them your goals. So use your veterinarian. That's the first thing. The second thing is make sure you recognize that they have a life outside of being a doctor. And, and so don't always call them at night at 8 o'clock for something that could have been done during the day because you have a job in town, okay? Recognize that they have business hours and use them during business hours because when you do have a real emergency, then they're, they're a lot more likely to come out and help you during that time when you really need them. And then I think the third thing is recognition. When we get feedback from new veterinarians, what they really value is recognition. And so... I was really green at one time, and I remember the producers that were like, ah, it's okay, you're doing good, you know, all that stuff. That really helps, you know, because it's a hard job, and they have a lot of stress out there. And so I think those three things can help retain people in bovine practice, uh, and, and that's really what we need. Less than 8% of veterinarians in the U.S. have any uh, work at all on food animals. That's not just cattle. So we are a very, very tiny minority of the profession. AABP has 5,000 members. There's 120,000 veterinarians in the U.S. And so, and, and if you look at our membership, it's kind of like cattle farmers. 
There's a whole bunch of them that have been doing it for 30, 40 years, and they're retiring. And so the problem is not it's it's not getting better. It looks like it might be getting worse. So those are some things that cattle producers can do uh, to develop that relationship with the veterinarian, make them feel part of the community, and keep them in your community so they can provide that care. Fred, I really appreciate the time. Are there any other things that you would want folks to know? Uh, either it's about what's coming up in, in June or just about helping that vet stay in your community or recruiting them to your community. Well, you know, the only thing I could say is, is that I think your veterinarian that comes to your farm, why are they doing that? They like cows just like you do. You know, ultimately in the end, it's how much do we really like this job? And uh, uh, I think that that is really, we need to find people that really like cows, want to help farmers and, and work together to make our industry better for all of us. Fred, I appreciate the time. Great conversation. Thank you. You may want to check out the American Association of Bovine Practitioners website. It's aabp.org. That's aabp.org. They also have a podcast called Have You Heard? with Herd spelled H-E-R-D. Those can be good resources for more information on all of the topics we discussed and more. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can catch archived shows at farmingthecountryside.com and on all of the podcast platforms. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.